What is up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here from Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast. So I know I promised y'all that we would be back to uh, our normal routine, let's say, uh, with regards to guests. Um, I've been a little under the weather this week, and I didn't have a uh, episode already finished. So, um, sorry, you got me by myself today. Um, you know what? Sorry, I'm not sorry. I still got some good stuff to talk about. So, a uh, little bit of a uh, catch up, I guess, um, on how my training's been this week. I haven't trained at all um, because I'm a little bit under the weather. So, uh, just a little congestion. I'm sure you guys can uh, can hear it. So, didn't really want to do an episode with somebody having to talk like this. So I'll keep this one relatively short. I have 15 days till Big Climb Dallas. Um, Still need to raise a little money, y'all. So please uh, go to my (coughs) donation page and uh, donate to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, Still planning on uh, throwing down a really solid time, which I'm really excited about. So um, yeah, and I've talked to quite a few other people in the area who will be participating, which I'm really excited about. So um, the other piece of news I'd like to share with y'all, I know I've been talking about this for months now. Um, I'm pretty sure both of my books will be available for sale on Amazon next week. Just uh, working out the last few kinks um, in the works. So really, really pumped about that. Uh, they'll be available in both uh, Kindle and print format. So if you want the physical copy in your hands to read, that will be available, which uh, blows my mind. I'm super pumped about that. I'm so excited. So uh, to give you all a little bit of a teaser, if you will, um, I thought I'd read uh, just a tad from, from the new book, The Self-Reliant Diet. Simple and Scientific Calorie and Macronutrient Tracking. Um, If you think this is going to be boring, you know, sorry. You can, uh, I guess you can shut things down right now. But uh, for those of you who want to kind of know what the book's going to be about, uh, this will give you a hint. So, chapter one uh, is called The Most Important Nutrition Concepts You've Never Been Taught or Global Concepts for Individualized Application. So, away we go. Scrap Meal Plans. Downfalls of the Cookie Cutter Approach. First and foremost, I think a bit of a rant is needed. This book does not include meal plans. Meal plans are a cookie cutter approach to eating. If everyone had the same dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and lifestyle, meal plans would be perfect. The problem is that meal plans don't take into account any of these variables. I get inquiries all the time about meal plans. The assumption is that what works for a person who looks fit and healthy will work for someone who wants to look fit and healthy. A friend of mine who used to provide clients with meal plans would spend so much time providing alternatives to specific foods because his clients didn't like the choices he gave them. After a week, The clients were sick of the same types of food over and over again. There was no variety. 
The meal plans he gave them made them incredibly dependent on him. Even when the meal plan achieved the desired results, it set these clients up for failure when they no longer ate according to the meal plan. I do not want you dependent on me. I want you to be self-reliant. You are an individual with unique dietary tastes and preferences, and your biochemistry is uniquely yours. Let's say you are allergic to peanuts, or you want to eat a vegetarian diet, you don't like fish, or you loathe carrots. What good is a meal plan that includes peanuts and peanut oil, steak, salmon, or typically orange root vegetables full of beta carotene? A meal plan could be the absolute best combination of foods to achieve the perfect amount of calories and most ideal ratios of the macronutrients, but if you can't adhere to it daily, what's the point? If you can't sustain it long term, then you'll eventually fail. So what option do I provide? Well, it sounds, sorry about this y'all, skipped ahead too far. So what option do I provide? Well, it sounds shocking to many when they hear it first. I was initially surprised when the concept was explained to me. Here it is. Nothing is off limits. No food groups must be removed altogether. Eat foods that you know to be healthy and that you enjoy. You have four priorities. Here they are. Number one, hit your calorie goal. Number two, hit your protein goal. Number three, hit your fat goal. And number four, hit your carbohydrate goal. Follow these four priorities, sorry, following these four priorities is the best way to adhere to a dietary program in the long term. The secret to hitting your aesthetic and body composition goals is long-term adherence. The best way to stay consistent is to eat food that you like and hit your calorie and macronutrient goals. If having a cookie will make your day, put a smile on your face, and you still hit your calorie and macronutrient goals, then have that cookie. If you want to eat ice cream three nights a week, just make sure it fits your calorie and macro goals. I'm not giving you a license to eat as much junk food as you want. Your priorities must remain consistent. You'll find it very difficult to hit your calorie and macro goals if you don't place significant uh, sorry, if you don't place significance on a variety of foods with particular emphasis on healthy sources of protein, fats, fruits, and veggies. So how does this way of programming your diet work if everyone is different? Well, I'm glad you asked. Even though everyone's biochemistry is unique, everyone's biochemistry follows the same basic rules. It's for this reason that I want to begin by addressing some global concepts. I've heard it said many times, counting calories and macros didn't work for me. You may have tried it and found that it felt too difficult to do every day. Perhaps you tried a calorie or macro app that gave you a specific number of calories to hit every day to lose a set amount of weight per week. But after a week or two, you didn't see any change. The primary problem is not that counting calories does not work. The fundamental problem was that the calculation done to determine how many calories you need to lose weight was incorrect for long-term change and maintenance of that change. Pause for a sec, if you will, and reread the previous sentence. I'm gonna read it for you now. The fundamental problem was that the calculation done to determine how many calories you needed to lose weight 
was incorrect for long-term change and maintenance of that change. I think this is worth reflecting on because I genuinely believe it is something you can't afford to miss. For now, I want you to know that tracking your calories and macros when they're programmed appropriately is the best way to change your body composition. Tracking calories and macros is also the best way to maintain those changes for the most extended amount of time with the least amount of effort. You can think about calorie and macro tracking like a tool. How many people can pick up a hammer and drive a three inch long nail into a piece of wood in a single swing? How many people can do that the very first time they pick up a hammer? Like any other skill, mastery requires practice. If you cannot do this skill, does that mean the hammer doesn't work? Of course not. Tracking your calories and macros is not any different. It takes a little practice and hands-on time with the tool to understand how to use it effectively. When you know how to leverage the different parts of the hammer for various tasks, you master the instrument. You can then move on to mastering another tool, like a screwdriver. Before you know it, you can fix things around your house instead of having to call, having to call the handyman. The first global concept we need to cover to master calorie and macro tracking is that of energy balance. So this next section is called energy balance, calorie deficit, and calorie surplus. You can think about energy balance like an old school playground teeter-totter. When two people who weigh the same sit on either end, the board is equally balanced and does not tilt up or down in either direction. This is a simple way of looking at the number of calories that are ingested being equal to the number of calories that are used in, a 20, in 24 hours. When this is calculated correctly, based on variables that include your age, height, weight, and level of activity, we call this your maintenance level of calories. When more calories are ingested in comparison to the number of calories that are expended, a positive energy balance is achieved. This is known as a caloric surplus or hypercaloric diet. Conversely, when fewer calories are ingested in comparison to the number of calories that are expended, a negative energy balance is achieved. This is known as a caloric deficit or hypocaloric diet. Since our physiology is designed to deal with periods of potential food and calorie bounty, as well as times of caloric need, it is crucial to understand the logical and actual outworking of consistently being in a calorie surplus or a calorie deficit. Our bodies are more complex than we often like to think, especially when it comes to how specific metabolic adaptations manifest due to our eating habits. Though it is very accurate that if you eat more than you need, you gain weight, and if you eat less than you need, you lose weight, there are processes that have significant effects on how much you need. The daily caloric expenditure is significantly influenced by your previous caloric intake, which means that it is not always desirable for you to just eat less and exercise more to lose weight or improve your body composition. The body and chronic caloric surplus feast metabolism. Some very interesting and perhaps somewhat predictable things happen when the body is in a consistent or chronic state of caloric surplus. When you ingest more calories than you need, sorry, when you ingest more calories than you expend, the apparent outcome is weight gain. 
Most people view this weight gain as a direct result of a chronic caloric surplus as obvious or intuitive. Most people who have been in a prolonged calorie surplus often have little trouble losing weight when they shift into a state of calorie deficit. This tends to be the case whether they are aware of their maintenance level of calories or not. Going from a chronic calorie surplus to a chronic calorie deficit tends to be more comfortable than going from a chronic calorie deficit to an even more significant calorie deficit. Typically, it is easier, though not effortless, to find your maintenance level of calories, which is like that balanced teeter-totter, after being in a calorie surplus and then restrict calories to create a calorie deficit. In comparison, it gets harder and harder being in in a chronic calorie deficit and trying to reduce calories even more to lose weight. The reason it gets harder is that this becomes a race to the bottom since your body will make it more and more challenging to lose weight the further you get into a calorie deficit. A chronic calorie surplus typically increases the physiological processes, enzymes, and catalysts that are related to weight gain via an increase in fat storage. The body can only store so much protein and carbohydrate, but the body can store a seemingly unlimited amount of fat. The amount of extra calories that end up going to stored fat depends on a few variables, like how far you are above maintenance calories, the amount of protein in your diet, and the level of activity as well as the type of activity you do. The more resistance training you do and the more protein that you ingest, up to a certain point, the higher the degree of weight gain that is lean tissue mass instead of fat mass. For most people, a minimum amount of calories, maintenance or surplus, and resistance training is necessary to increase lean tissue mass. Lean tissue mass is the umbrella category that fits, uh, that muscle mass fits in. But lean tissue mass is not only muscle. Lean tissue mass is everything in your body that isn't fat. So it includes bone, muscle, organs, water, and everything else that isn't fat mass. If your goal is to increase your body weight, you need to be in a chronic calorie surplus. For those of you who want to increase your weight or lean tissue mass, then the degree to which you are in a calorie surplus, the level of resistance training, and the breakdown of the macronutrients is significant to understand. We'll dig into these in the following chapters. Next, the body and chronic calorie deficit, famine metabolism. Some very interesting, but generally very unpredictable things happen when the body is in a consistent or chronic state of calorie deficit. At first, things are entirely predictable. The well-known acute or immediate and temporary response to a uh, calorie deficit is a resultant reduction in body weight. What most people are unaware of concerning chronic calorie deficit is this. The full range of physiological adaptations the body naturally undergoes can best be understood as instinctively survival adaptations. Some people consider that these adaptations can result in what has been coined metabolic damage. Others view these changes as deliberate adaptations to better keep the body alive. What are some of these adaptations? Well, a reduction in weight is accompanied by a decrease in basal metabolic rate. The less you weigh, the fewer calories you need. So, to lose weight, you have to continually reduce 
your calories to stay below your ever-decreasing maintenance level of calories. It is a race to the bottom, but at some point your body makes it more and more challenging to lose weight. A sustained reduction in calories results in your body becoming more, not less, efficient with the calories that are ingested as well as the caloric energy that is currently stored. Many people who have tried calorie and macro tracking do not seem to find any, but do not seem to find any success are most likely not actually in a calorie deficit. This is typical because we underestimate the number of calories we ingest and we overestimate the number of calories we expend. For some individuals, the issue can be compounded due to reduced basal metabolic rate and reduction in activity associated with chronic dieting. In most cases, people are simply not in a significant enough deficit for a long enough time to see the changes for which they are looking. One way that the body helps respond to a chronic calorie deficit is by preparing the body to store calories as soon as the body shifts out of a calorie deficit. Animals that hibernate eat as many calories as possible before hibernation so that they will survive during the time of year when calories are much harder to come by. In the hibernation state, their metabolic rate drops significantly, so they are as efficient as possible with the stored body fat they have. When they come out of hibernation, their metabolism is primed to increase their body weight by storing fat at an exponentially higher rate than before they were in hibernation. The human body <clears throat> works similarly by upregulating the processes that store fat when coming out of a caloric deficit. Research has also shown that the body increases the number of fat cells as a person moves out of a calorie deficit to better prepare for a state of famine in the future. What this means is that the more significant your calorie deficit, an abrupt return to calorie maintenance or calorie surplus, the more substantial the increase in fat storage. Not only do you store more fat when calories are not controlled after a calorie deficit, but you also increase the total amount of fat that can be stored by increasing the number of fat cells in your body. It is often much more difficult for individuals who cycle in and out of a calorie deficit to lose weight or fat mass because of the difficulty of getting a solid handle on their basal metabolic rate and therefore their maintenance level of calories. This is important to understand because for these individuals, perhaps the best and most important thing they can do is find their maintenance level of calories and stay consistently at this level while their body returns to metabolic homeostasis. If you reduce your basal metabolic rate and, and maintenance level of calories every time you go into a significant calorie deficit and then gain the weight back with a more substantial part of that weight consistently coming from fat, you end up with a reduced metabolic rate and a more significant percentage of body fat. For this reason, I think it is essential for individuals who have been in a chronic calorie deficit or yo-yo dieting to spend at least a few months focusing on increasing their basal metabolic rate by hitting maintenance level calories and doing some form of consistent resistance training. The amount of time one needs to stay at maintenance calories before going into a successful weight and fat loss phase varies from person to person. This amount of time is often influenced by the length of time one was in a chronic calorie deficit or how long they were yo-yo dieting. Usually, the longer you are in this damaging state, the longer it can take to heal the metabolism and get it back to a healthy homeostasis. 
by focusing not on losing weight, but on altering your body composition and repairing your metabolism, you set yourself up to be successful when you do, a pro when you do program a calorie deficit phase. In this way, you can lose weight on as many calories as possible and therefore better prepare yourself to regain less fat when you do come back to maintenance or calorie surplus. Deficit and surplus variables on body composition, speed of change and sustainability. As a general rule, the faster you lose body weight, the higher the chances are that you will put that weight back on. The slower you lose body weight, the less risk you have of putting that weight back on. The slower the speed of change, the more maintainable the change is. This works with weight gain as well. That's why I recommend longer and less dramatic increases or decreases in calories to reach your body composition goals. The general rule of thumb is that two to three pounds of weight loss per week is the upper limit of healthy weight loss. Healthy weight gain per week is not as well established, but many assume that one to two pounds per week are safe upper limits. I don't like to use these numbers because weight loss or weight gain, even at these healthy levels, is very unsustainable for the majority of people. It's just too fast for the body to adjust to and adapt to a new homeostasis. The hormones that affect appetite, hunger, and satiation may not have the time to adjust to the changes in body weight and, consequently, may make it difficult to sustain these changes after a set amount of time that you have determined for a change in your diet. Instead, I think it's better to set a goal of accomplishing a sustainable eight or 12 week calorie deficit or calorie surplus change that you can legitimately adhere to instead of setting a target of a specific amount of weight loss or weight gain. After you've accomplished this goal, you can then slowly return to your maintenance level of calories and then prepare for the next eight or 12 week appropriately programmed calorie deficit or calorie surplus phase. This way, the changes you make during the deficit or surplus phase will be much easier to maintain and you can build on success over time instead of having to start over every time you diet and then go off your diet. Now that we have some of these concepts out of the way, we're ready to dive into the real substance of calorie and macro tracking. Your first and most important priority is to hit your calorie goal. The next chapter explains how to do that. So the main points of this chapter. Meal plans make you dependent on someone else. Dietary success comes down to consistently hitting your four priorities, your calorie goal, your protein goal, your fat goal, and your carb goal. Tracking your macronutrients and calories is a skill that can be mastered. By definition, you cannot gain weight in a calorie deficit and you cannot lose weight in a calorie surplus. It's thermodynamics. People don't like it. Sorry. Setting a goal of accomplishing a calorie deficit phase or calorie surplus phase better prepares you for what happens after you reach your weight and body composition goals. And in general, the slower you lose fat or gain lean tissue, the easier it is to maintain these changes. Slow change is sustainable. So, y'all, hope you enjoyed that. I hope I didn't sound too boring. Uh, that's chapter one. Um, so the rest of the book goes into how to figure out your calorie needs. Um, 
the function and importance of each of the macronutrients and how to, how to determine how much of those you need for your specific uh, preferences, dietary preferences, needs, etc., uh, depending on the type and level of activity that you're doing. Um, how much protein do you need? How much fat do you need? How much carbs do you need? Um, and then how to track. Um, I have a whole chapter on uh, how to use MyFitnessPal. And then um, why it's important to live at maintenance. And then how to set up a calorie deficit phase. How to set up a calorie surplus phase. And kind of how to navigate that whole that whole arena. So I apologize again for uh, the way my voice sounds. I hope I'm uh, hope I'm on the mend. Anyway, uh, yes, this this book as well as my other book, Hormonal Nutrition, should both be available. Fingers crossed uh, in the very near future. Um, I'm hoping sometime next week. Um, I will announce it as soon as it's all ready to go and. Uh, yeah, would love to hear everyone's feedback on both of those. So that does it for me today. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Um, as always, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, have a wonderful weekend. Have a, a good week next week. And uh, yeah, we'll keep plugging away into 2020. Alrighty, y'all. Stay tuned. Uh, yeah, we'll get some... Some guests back on very soon. Adios.